Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is the Friday broadcast. So glad that you're joining us. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. And uh, on the Friday broadcast, I always thank God for Friday because it's one day closer to Sunday. And I love Sundays. It's my favorite day of the week. And the reason I love Sundays so much is because we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you don't have plans to attend a worship service this weekend, I hope that you'll consider joining us at Hickory Ridge Community Church at 9 o'clock or at 11 o'clock. And uh, I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing at our church. We're seeing great things happening. We just came through a fall festival just a few weeks ago and uh, literally had uh, a couple thousand people show up for our, our fall festival. So that was a blast. And I hope that you'll come and, and worship with us. And I know it's getting close to Thanksgiving and uh, it's getting close to Christmas. And so I want to let you know that for Christmas, we're doing two Christmas Eve services, one at three o'clock, which will be a drive-in Christmas Eve service, and then another one at five o'clock. Uh, that will be inside candlelight. So uh, you choose what's best for you. Come at three o'clock for drive-in on Christmas Eve, or come at the uh, five o'clock inside. I'd love to see you, and I'd love to know that you are listening to the broadcast. Well, today, I want to talk to you about six reasons why we should never quit, six reasons why we should never lose hope. You know, as believers in Christ and believers in His Holy Word, you know, we should be hope-filled. You know, for us, hope grows with time. Uh, we more completely understand what hope does for us. So today I want to look at how hope should help us with our determination. On a drizzly afternoon in early 2015, seven people gathered for Washington, D.C.'s newest group. It was called the Quitters Club. Uh, they had a tagline that said, Let's give up on our dreams together. One attendee was ready to cast aside his long-held ambition to become an actor. Same deal for a wonderful would-be writer. Another was ready to quit D.C. altogether. Uh, this hodgepodge group of strangers were drawn together by the same invite that read, Most of us have something special we'd like to do with our lives. At the Quitters Club, we can help each other stomp out the brush fire set in our hearts and get on with our lives. The founder of this club, Justin Cannon, has quit all sorts of things. He quit being a filmmaker. He quit on his music career. He quit on being a graphic designer. He is tortured by the dueling forces of grand ambition on one hand and intense self-doubt on the other. Most often, the battle leaves him frozen and despondent. At one point, Cannon expressed his growing exasperation. I was like, we should have a group where people want to give up on their dreams. I was making a joke of it, he recalled, but somebody said, you know, that's a really good idea. A few days later, he took action. He posted a note on Meetup for this new group. He thought he might be forming a club of one, and within 48 hours, he thought just a few people would show up, but within 48 hours, 35 people signed up. And for the next two hours, one after another, the attendees expressed their dreams and their inability to make progress. But surprisingly, as they gather together for their initial meeting, surprisingly, they end up encouraging each other. They encourage one another to persevere. The actor decided that he'd give it another push, give it another year before tossing in the towel. The one who was unhappy living in Washington decided that 
they'd take a new job before giving up on the city. The writer whose day job was getting in the way of her artistic pursuits was going to carve out time each day for her passion. This is what they said. Here we are at the Quitters Club, and we're all encouraging each other to keep on going. One attendee mused, I knew that was going to happen. Cannon says, they will meet again the following month to continue in their quest to help people quit, or as it turns out, to keep on trying. Well, as you think about hope and reasons why people are throwing the towel, we have six very good reasons as to why we as followers of Christ should never lose hope, even in the midst of pressure, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of uncertainty. Those are the times that we most want to throw in a towel. And most of us don't give up hope when things are going well. It's when things are falling apart. I want you to know that God has a reason to give you hope. And there are some things that hope will do for you that will give you the ability to keep on keeping on. Let's look at these six points today. Hope makes me determined because it reshapes my character. Now, that word character is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek word that means to make a groove or to put a scratch on something or a mark. We could say that character is what makes me, me. My character reveals my central loyalty. It is what is controlling all aspects of my being. So hope will allow me to redefine my character. Paul kind of put it this way in Romans chapter 5. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So Paul understood something about sufferings that many times we miss. God allows suffering in our lives to develop our character. You know, I find it interesting that hope is listed at the end of this verse. I guess we could look at it like this. When we are suffering, our response is so important. Suffering has a byproduct, that is perseverance, which is character. It's a character trait. I refuse to quit. Now, I might get fired. I might get demoted. I might not always win. I might not be the most talented or the most successful, but I refuse to quit. What does pressure do to you? It is often pressure will make us quit, but it doesn't have to. If pressure makes you quit, you don't have a problem with hope. You have a character flaw. You know, character flaws do not improve through quitting. They actually get worse and become habit-forming. You see, the development of our character is more important than the development of our talent. That's why when building a team, you want to build a team that is both filled with talent and character. Don't just settle for talent. John Gordon said this, Talent without character is like a race car with no steering wheel. It looks great from the outside and drives really fast, but without something to guide it, it is going to crash. You see, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. So we learn, first of all, that hope gives us this mindset and it develops our character and it reshapes our character. So how we respond to suffering is a revelation of our character. Here's the second thing about hope. Hope also reveals our motives. In 1 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, But I have not used any of these rights. Now, now Paul had a lot of rights as he's defending himself uh, against these false accusations, right? 
and they were accusing him of not having the credentials of, of being an apostle. Uh, they were accusing Paul of being a, a lightweight. And uh, and they said, you know, Paul, you're really bold with your letters, uh, but you're not really that bold in person. And, and so Paul says, now, wait a minute, I'm an apostle of the apostles because I saw the risen Savior in Acts chapter 9. He revealed himself to me on the road to Damascus. And so Paul says, I've got a lot of rights he says, but I am not writing this in the hope that you will have such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. In other words, when the pressure was coming on the apostle Paul, it revealed his motives, why he did what he did. You know, I find it interesting throughout the Bible, as I study the life of Christ, I never see Jesus getting up and saying, I have my rights. He didn't die for his rights. He died for our sins. By right, he should not have to die. He didn't have to die. He willingly surrendered himself so that we could have everlasting life. So how I use my rights reveals my hopes. If I am using my rights to gratify and elevate myself, I am saying I have put my hope in me. If I'm using my motives to help someone else, to glorify God, it is showing where I put my confidence. My confidence should be in Christ. So we've learned so far today that hope will allow me to be determined and it will allow me to have my character reshaped. Hope will also reveal the motives, why I do what I do. Hope will come to the surface. Number three, hope will refresh my growth. This is how Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. He says, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and you do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Paul says you got to continue growing in your faith because that's where you become firm. He says, I'm not going to move from the hope that I have in the gospel. It's called the blessed hope. Paul says, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to look at it as an opportunity to continue in the faith, to allow me to be established and firm because of the hope that I found in the gospel. So this passage is what we could call a cause and effect verse. Paul says, if, and then, then. Paul is speaking about the hope that is found in the power of the gospel. He says, if I have this hope in the gospel, I will continue in the faith. If I have this hope in the gospel, I will have myself established and firm. So the longer you continue your faith, the more you should be a servant of the gospel. It is a simple sign of spiritual growth. Paul is talking about the blessed hope that we have in the gospel. That is the death the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Paul went so far as to say, if Jesus never rose again from the dead, the tragedy would be that we have no hope. Our hope would be dashed. But Jesus did rise from the dead. And we have that blessed hope in Christ, what he has done for us. So a commitment to the gospel is a sign of growth. Wow, we've learned a lot of neat things today about hope. We've learned that God gives us hope and he uses that hope to reshape our character. We discover that God has given us hope, and it actually reveals the motives of why we do what we do. 
And so how we are using our rights reveals our hopes. We've also learned that hope will refresh my growth. The more hope I have in the gospel, the more firmly I'll be established, the more I'll be able to continue on in my faith. There's a fourth blessing to hope. Hope will reorder my conscience. Paul said in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.11, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture that he is having a clear conscience as he's sharing the hope that God has given to him. And he says, I also hope that it's playing to your conscience. He says, we have a reverence for the Lord. We have confidence in the Lord. And because of that, we are sharing that message of the gospel wherever we go. We try to persuade others. And he says, the best way to persuade them is by keeping it plain and by living out a clear conscience. In other words, living what we proclaim as transparently as we possibly can. You know, listening provides an unbelievable good opportunity for evangelism. In his book entitled Irresistible Evangelism, we hear of the story of Jan. Uh, Jan is a staffer with Athletics in Action. After attending at this conference where the importance of listening to unsaved people was stressed, Jan and others were relaxing in the hotel whirlpool. Two young teenager girls joined them, and one of the teenagers named Brittany began passionately telling about her friend about an upcoming Wiccan gathering where she was planning to attend. Jan says, now normally we'd have tried to counter the girls' ideas, but we decided to instead just to listen. I said something very simple like, wow. You really sound excited about this. This was all the encouragement she needed to launch into a five-minute explanation as to why she was so attracted to this neon paganism, this ritual called Wiccan. The bottom line was is that she had a really traumatic time in high school, and the Wiccans accepted her. She said, I've gone through so much crap just trying to make it through high school that I'll probably be in therapy for the rest of my life. I tried to mirror back what she said. It's hard for you to even imagine a future where you'd be free from all the pain you've gone through. What came next completely floored me, said Jan. With a film of tears started to form in her eyes, and with complete sincerity in her voice, Brittany said, Sometimes I wish I could be born all over again. I'd really like to start over from scratch. After a long pause, my friend asked if she could, if she'd like to be born again. Brittany responded, Yes, I really would like to be born again. When we think about the hope that we have, our conscience is led by the Spirit of God. You know, the conscience can be seared. Or the conscience can be a reliable guide if it is driven by the Spirit. As we are having this hope in the Spirit of God, God speaks to us through our conscience. He opens up doors that we never thought could be opened. 
He gives us words to speak that we never thought we'd ever utter. You know, the Spirit does that for us. It's the hope in the Spirit of God. You see, hope in Christ leads to sincerity with others. Well, there's a fifth component of of hope that we've got to look at today. And that hope will allow me to retain my gentleness. You have to get this hope that God's going to work all things out. It is manifested in your gentleness. Paul writes to Timothy these powerful words. He said that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You see, when we are hope-filled, we have a gentleness about us. You see, hopelessness equals resentfulness, but hopefulness leads to gentleness. The more hope I have in Christ, the more gentle I am, because I realize I don't have to be quarrelsome, because even though I may win the argument, I may lose the battle. As we think about what God can do, offering hope to those who need to be gently instructed, God is the one that grants repentance. As we share the knowledge of the truth, God will use that gentleness to turn people around. You know, if you're a husband listening to me and you're resistant to the gospel, I hope that the gentleness of the, of the gospel will be seen in your family and in your friends. There's a sixth point that we got to look at today. And this last point is a reminder. It reminds me that when I have hope, I am to prepare for the future. Philemon is a short little book in the Bible. Philemon is a powerful book in the Bible. And in Philemon verse 21, there's only one chapter in the book of Philemon. Philemon verse 21, it says one thing more. Paul says to Philemon, would you prepare a guest room for me? Because I hope to be restored to you and answer to your prayers. Now, this is good stuff, right? Philemon was praying for the opportunity to spend some time with Paul. Paul found out about this prayer, and Paul says, well, I'll tell you what, get ready for my visit, and prepare for me, and I'm going to hope that I can be restored to you as you have prayed that you have this opportunity to visit with me. Now, there's something about preparing for the future. When you are hopeful of the future, you prepare for the future. It's kind of like getting married, right? You are hoping and you are preparing for that future day that you're going to get married, and there's a whole lot that goes involved in that. Not too many months ago, my my daughter was married, and I remember we spent months and months and months planning for that, and and I tell you what, it is a fiasco trying to plan a wedding in the midst of COVID restrictions. We had to keep planning and replanning and unplanning and replanning, and uh, it was a mess because every time we thought we had something solidified, the plans would have to change because of COVID restrictions. But we put that together, and she had a beautiful wedding. In the midst of all the planning and unplanning, it was a beautiful day. Why? Because the hope was found in the event, not in the circumstances surrounding that event. You see, what I hope for, I also prepare for. The Bible says that 
Moses was a faithful servant. As a matter of fact, he was more faithful than any of the servants in God's house. He was bearing witness that he would be a spokesman for God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. We are in his house. If indeed we hold firmly to the confidence of that hope in which we glory. You know, Harriet Tubman was a spy who, even in moments of extreme danger, demonstrated nothing but raw, calm courage. Born into slavery in the 1820s, Harriet was nearly killed for her masters hurled a metal object at her. She staged a daring escape in 1849 then spent years rescuing hundreds out of slavery and leading them to safely. Her codename was Moses because she never lost a single escapee. During the Civil War, she became a secret agent for the Union Army, working behind enemy lines to scout out the territory. Despite a bounty on her head, she always managed to evade capture. A devout follower of Christ, Harriet Tubman spent time learning, memorizing, and meditating on various verses in the Bible. One of the verses that she loved especially was Isaiah 16, verse number 3. Hide the refugees, do not betray the refugees. As she pondered on this passage, she turned them into prayers. And in prayer, she learned to practice God's presence. She said these words, I prayed all the time. She told the one who wrote her biography, she said, about my work, everywhere, I was always talking to the Lord. When I went to the horse trough to wash my face, I took up the water under my hands and I said, oh Lord, wash me, make me clean. When I took up the towel and I wiped my face and my hands, I cried, oh Lord, for Jesus' sake, wipe away all of my sins. When I took up the broom and I began to sweep, I groaned, O Lord, whatever sin there may be in my heart, sweep it out. Lord, clean me up, clean and clear. I want you to know there is hope for your life. You have a blessed future if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, that's really where the hope begins. If you have hope in anything else other than Jesus Christ, you will be greatly disappointed. I know Many people put an abundance of hope upon their jobs. And, and they, they work themselves and, and they devote themselves to their jobs and, and they work their fingers to the bone because they think their job is going to always be there to provide for them. But what are you going to do when the company closes its doors or, or the company lays you off and says, we thank you for the, your services, but we no longer need you. Your hope is going to be dashed. If all of your hope is in that job, one day when that job is gone, your, your hope is going to be dashed. Or maybe you're listening to me today and you say, well, my hope is not my job. I'm, I'm retired. Well, or maybe your hope is in your health. And you're just so grateful that, that you are blessed with a good constitution and, and you find that you're very healthy and you're very strong. Even though you have some age on you, you are blessed with a, a good, solid physical physique and you are healthy. But what's going to happen to you when your health is gone? You know, health is a gift that is given to us by God, but when that health is gone, what are you going to do? Well, oh, maybe you're listening to me today and say, well, my confidence, my hope is in my, my family. 
I just love my family, and I am so thankful for my family. Listen, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I love my family. I thank God for my wife and my children, but my hope is not in them. Because one day, my children will be gone and my wife will be gone. My life will be dashed if something happens to them, if all my hope is in them. Now, my hope is on on Jesus Christ. My hope is on Him and Him alone. He is the only one that will never fail me. He is the only one that will never abandon me. Put your hope in God. I think about hope. Somebody gave me a crossix for the word hope. Hold on, pain ends. Hold on, pain ends. When my confidence and hope is in Christ, He is with me through that pain. And He sustains me until that pain ends. One day I'll be up in heaven. And there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more separation from the ones that I love. All made possible because my hope is in Jesus Christ. I hope that you know him as your Lord and Savior. I hope that you have put your confidence in him today. Say a simple little prayer like, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I put my hope in you today. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. And I promise you that he'll come into your heart. He'll save your soul. He'll make you a new creation in Christ. If you would like to know more about the hope you have in Christ, would you give me a call or shoot me a text, 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.